0: hi everybody dick Vitale. hey make sure you listen man to locked on blue devils with jj jackson he's awesome baby you are locked on blue devils your daily podcast on the duke blue devils part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello everybody and welcome into another episode of the lockdown blue devils podcast my name is jj jackson it's so great to have you here with us on this thursday December 15th, 2022, a fun show planned today for Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils, of course, is your daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke athletics. You can follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe on YouTube to watch the show daily each and every day uh, follow us on twitter at lo underscore blue devils and you can follow me on twitter at underscore jj underscore jackson underscore brendan marks of the athletics set to be my guest here on today's program and we're going to review the duke season so far no more non-conference games left on the schedule so we've got plenty to discuss with our good buddy brendan who's back with us here on lockdown blue devils brendan i hope all is well for you my friend
1: yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm always in a good place when I get to be with you, JJ.
0: <laughs> this is going to be a great conversation. Excited to be able to talk about uh, Duke basketball with results that have played as opposed to, you know, the long off season that we endure trying to speculate what the season could be and that sort of thing. But here we are 12 games into the year, Brendan, and the rest of the way, it's going to be conference competition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if you're a Duke fan, you know, you look at these first 12 games and you got to be pretty happy with the results. Um, You know, I don't think that anybody expected John Shire to go undefeated for his entire career. Um, There were obviously going to be losses and especially, you know, we, we saw sort of what the disparity was early on between a team that is still very young and is getting better and teams that were maybe a little more fully formed. Uh, But look, you know, you look at the schedule, you look at some of the wins this team has had. And more specifically, I think you just look at their overall growth, um, their continuing growth. I think you have to be really encouraged. Like, you know, for me personally, I am surprised at how cohesive this team looks this early on, um, and especially considering the larger context of the team. That's that's pretty encouraging for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about some of those things in particular that have really been impressive and stood out, and we'll kind of do that throughout our show today. Uh, on the defensive side of the basketball and rebounding, I kind of want to lump those together uh, oftentimes, and I do want to talk about the offensive rebounding perspective, but I think we focus on the defensive end of the floor and not as much actually taking care of the rebound and moving on uh, to the next possession and that sort of thing. But to be so cohesive with so many moving parts, with a first-year head coach for a Duke basketball team that in the one-and-done era, the one thing that we're often talking about is, man, this team, they can score 100, but is the defense going to be able to come together? And that is not at all what has been the topic of conversation through 12 games for this Duke team.
1: No, it's been the exact opposite, right? Uh, I mean, and and listen, you know, over the summer when John Shire was saying, you know, as early as, I think as early as June was the first time that he he sort of met with either, you know, a group of reporters or the first time I talked to him about it. But And he's saying, look, defense is going to be our identity. Um, and your natural inclination for a team that was bringing in 11 newcomers and seven freshmen is like, okay, <laughs> good, good luck. <laughs> yeah. um, and he's done just that. Uh, So I think that, you know, you really look at this team and right now, you know, I I try not to lean too heavily on Ken Palm's defensive metrics this early in the season, just because they're still factoring in last year's, but. Um, you know, per college basketball analytics, Duke's defensive rating is in the 91st percentile nationally. Um, you know, they've held you know a multitude of teams. We just saw recently, I think, you know, probably the most impressive game of the year against Iowa, um, just completely stifling one of the most electric offenses in the country, uh, regularly holding teams below their season low and early season average in terms of scoring, holding them below their season average in terms of field goal percentage, holding them below their season average in terms of three point percentage, um, I, I mean, Duke is pretty stifling on that end of the court. And like I said, when you're talking about a team that had this many new parts, um, the cohesiveness has just been really impressive. And, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people sort of looked at this game in this regard, but, uh, earlier on when Duke plays Bellarmine, they, they play such a weird style of basketball, you know, almost no ball screens, almost no dribbling. It's all passing. You have to be super connected on the defensive end and, and the way that Duke Uh, was able to sort of maintain their structure against Bellarmine, I, I thought was sort of the first sign that, you know, this could be one of the better defensive teams in the country.
0: Yeah, so impressive. And, and then earlier in the year, an opponent scores 38 points in a 40-minute basketball game uh, against South Carolina Upstate. was certainly just dominant from Duke on the defensive end of the floor. And then, as we mentioned, uh, with great defense comes rebounding the basketball and then being able to start heading in the opposite direction and then creating second chances for yourself on the offensive end of the floor. Um, are you a little surprised at how well Duke's been able to rebound the basketball?
1: Um, I, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but I, I would say, um, because this is a gigantic team, right? Sure. I mean, this is like one of that the, top, this is a top 10, uh, team in terms of size in the country. And I, I think the thing that I'm more surprised at is how, um, willing all of these guys have been to buy into making that a, their identity this early fair. Year. I have been surprised by that. I, you know, I think, you know, sometimes you get freshmen and they think I want to score the ball. I yeah. want to, you know, be the guy doing the offensive fireworks and, You know, I think this particular recruiting class. You look and you've seen a lot of guys. You know, a Mark Mitchell, a Derek Lively. These guys are really, you know, cutting their teeth on defense. And uh, you know, so you talk about the defensive rebounding. Duke is, you know, top top. They're 61st in terms of defensive rebounding percentage right now. Um, Obviously, you've you've seen a couple of different standouts. Uh, Kyle Filipowski is one of the best defensive rebounders on an individual basis in the country. Ryan Young being able to come off the bench is just a luxury that most teams don't have um and then i think that's something that we're going to continue to see growth in you know derek lively obviously like we were just talking about him on the defensive end as a rebounder i still think there's a lot of upside for him because he is one of the more athletic guys on the team has a seven eight wingspan like you know i i'm not a math expert or anything but in terms of being able to go up and get a ball bouncing off a 10-foot rim uh sounds like a pretty good strategy so i have been really impressed on that side of the ball And, and quite frankly This is the way that Duke needed to play to be able to have the success that it's having early on and to get where it wants to go over the course of the season. It's going to have to continue to make these sort of tenants of this team. Just so impressed by what we've been able to see on both the defensive end of the floor
0: and rebounding from Duke in the first season. A couple of other things have really been impressive and stood out so far this year for the Blue Devils. And we'll discuss some of those things after our first break here on Locked on Blue Devils. First, a message from the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or co-workers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go. And for a moment, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car You kill someone? It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride, drive sober, or get pulled over, a message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson with my buddy Brendan Marks of The Athletic. All right, so 11 newcomers on this year's Duke men's basketball team seven of which are freshmen, and in this one-and-done era, we spend so much time talking about freshmen for the Blue Devils, but uh, it's been a couple of graduate transfers that have been pretty impressive for Duke this season as well. We had Theo John a season ago come over from Marquette, uh, but tell me a little bit about some of the newcomers this year that aren't a freshman, that have played college basketball before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and both of these guys have been, uh, you know, I think, I think surprisingly impressive, uh, to Duke fans. And and I think just to the larger national college basketball landscape, um, Side note, I, I think it is so funny that last year uh, Duke of North Carolina both pulled guys from Marquette, and this year they both pulled guys from Northwestern. Um, and, I've thought and, about that before, yeah. Right, and all four of those guys are really good. Yeah. Um, so I I think you know you're we obviously we're talking about Ryan Young here, um, who is the transfer from Northwestern. He's you know a conventional big man, you know very much a, a low post presence both as a you know, an offensive threat, somebody who has an array of post moves and counters, and somebody who's comfortable tipping the ball up and tipping it into himself. Um, you know, I think the thing that is so bewildering to me about Ryan Young is no offense to him, but he is um, not the same caliber athlete that a lot of his front court teammates are. Um, and yet he right now he is posting, and I I I like my eyes drop out of my head every time I see this. He's the sixth best individual offensive rebounder in the country right now. Ryan. Um, So he is just absolutely gobbling boards. And I think anecdotally, you see that sort of reflected in his play, Um, his ability to sit on the front of the rim and to just sort of back into guys and give himself that angle where if it's going off on the sides, he can grab it with either arm. If it's coming straight down, he's sort of there and it just, you know, falls into his lap like a present. He is just exceptional in that regard. And then obviously has the, you know, array of post moves and counters to go with it. John Shire plucked a gem out of the portal in Ryan Young. I mean, this is a guy who would start for a lot of teams in the country and and the fact that Duke can bring him in as sort of a utility, you know, sixth man at this point is pretty remarkable. So I'll be interested to see how Duke sort of manages his minutes the rest of the season. Um, Derek Lively is going to continue to get better and better. And as he does, he's going to warrant more minutes. And so, You know, I don't think that you're taking Kyle Filipowski off the court. Uh, It it doesn't really look like you can do the same with Mark Mitchell, and and so I think that Ryan Young is a guy where, when he's in there, you really got to be making the most of him. So I've been incredibly, incredibly impressed by Ryan, and and Duke has, without him, Duke is not winning a lot of the games that it's won already this season. You know, especially especially out in Portland. You know that that Xavier game, um, some key non-conference ones, Ohio State, he was a monster. You know, those are the sorts of performances where. Duke, I think, really needed him. And then both Ryan Young and Jacob Grandison from Illinois, I think, have done a really good job of just being this, like, calming presence on the floor for a team that is still really young. You know, you will regularly see lineups where it's Jeremy Roach, it's Jacob Grandison, it's Ryan Young, and two other guys around them, whoever's playing the best or who fits the matchup best at that point. But those two guys are are calming. You know, they have been through the gamut before. They understand what it takes to win. They understand – you know, the importance of score, stop, score, stop. And it's such a simple idea, but it's one that, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, you really do have to sort of hone in on that. And, you know, obviously for Grandison, he's getting back to that three point form that I think a lot of Duke fans were hoping to see from him. Uh, he's hitting it about 40.6, 41% from the season. Um, he's going to continue to get better. Uh, you know, especially in the corner, I think John Shire starting to do a good job of isolating him in the corner. Um, I asked Grandison before this season if there was a difference for him between shooting from anywhere else in the perimeter versus shooting in the corners. And he said no, but his stats say otherwise. Right. So um so I think it's a good thing that John is starting to get him in the corners a little bit more. And um, you know, obviously those two guys are going to be critical to, to Duke's continued emergence, um, especially with those two very individual skill sets, Grandison's shooting and obviously Ryan's offensive rebound.
0: I think there's been a topic or a conversation I should say rather with the minutes that go out there for uh, these new guys, these impact players that are the transfers and Ryan Young and Grandison and more so young because of the bigs that are there. And how do you factor in uh, lively and Filipowski when everything's really moving and humming and Mark Mitchell even to a degree uh, with his size and that sort of thing. But what about Jacob Grandison? How in the world, are his minutes impacted in all of this? Because it's been twelve games already, Brendan. But we have seen games where he is kind of forgotten. You hate to say it, but not really thought of in the moment, and that sort of thing. How does that kind of play out the rest of the season? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I you know I think the biggest thing for Jake the rest of the season is like he is he was brought in for a multitude of reasons, but above all, he was brought in to be a shooter. Right, And so as long as he's putting the ball in the hole from deep, as long as he's finding those spots in the corner, as long as he's floating, as long as he's flare screening out, um, he's going to continue to play. That's that's just it. Duke needs shooters right now. This is, I don't think I need to tell anyone, not one of the best shooting teams in the country, uh, not their strength. He is a guy who really elevates them in that regard. And I think that as long as he's doing that, he's going to continue to have a consistent offensive role. The problem is when he's not doing that, it gets a little bit tougher to um, weigh his upside versus the upside of some other guys who, you know, might be more athletic or more defensively minded or better passers or better rebounders. Um, and especially if he's not hitting those shots who, who are sort of, you know, when he drops to their level in terms of three point shooting, it's a little more comparable We're talking about guys who are more athletic, a Derek Whitehead, a, a Tyrese Proctor, right. um, some of those, Mark Mitchell, um, So I do think the secret for Jake is, you know, it's sort of simple, but, you know, he's got to continue to put the ball in the hole. And, you know, right now, like I said, uh, this is a Duke team that's, you know, shooting 31.6%. They're barely a top 250 three-point shooting team in the country right now. Um, He is, you know, the best. Mark Mitchell has a better percentage, but in terms of the volume, Jake is the best on the team. Um, As long as he continues to do that, he's going to continue to see a role. But if he doesn't, that's where you start to see, you know, maybe he can get to be more of a forgotten guy. And obviously we saw what Jaden Shoot could do the other night. Um, that's, a role, that's, a, that's a role that is up for grabs. So it's up to him to, to sort of put the clamps on it.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more about the Stukic basketball team through 12 games of the season. A couple of more things to highlight after our last timeout here on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Online. This is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis, as you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college football bowl season. Listen up, starting tomorrow, college football bowl season is going to be off and rolling, and you want to find all the best odds at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Moving forward, as we continue our conversation with Brendan Marks of The Athletic, uh, I absolutely love your reading. I make that your writing. I make that no secret. I love reading it, Brendan. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your work with The Athletic and how people can get plugged in.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, keeping me employed, JJ. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know, all of my stories, uh, I try to share them all out on my Twitter account at Brendan R Marks right there. Um, but also at theathletic.com. And if you haven't checked this out, I, I would highly encourage you to give it a look, not just for my coverage, but um, if you're a college basketball fan in general, we have the largest college basketball staff in the country. Um, and obviously we cover every sort of sport, every major sport in North America and, and even around the world, our world cup coverage um, we've been breaking news left and right. And especially as we get to the finals, uh, uh, it's something that, you know, I, I go and I read that every single morning yeah. to make sure I'm up to date. So uh, I'm biased, but I think we have the most comprehensive staff in the country. And, um, you know, ho- hopefully folks who haven't checked it out yet will give us a chance.
0: Check it out. Again, Brendan R. Marks on Twitter and TheAthletic.com. All right. So uh, with this Duke basketball team through 12 games, I-, I think something that's sort of defined the season so far has just been the injuries to their top recruits and Derek Lively, the second, and Derek Whitehead because – So much expectation are put on these Duke freshmen, given how their counterparts have played every year prior in this sort of one-and-done era of duke basketball let's talk about those two guys in particular brendan and just kind of what we've seen on the floor from both of them
1: yeah absolutely well you know i would have thought to your larger point jj that um you know the the covid year the fighting matthew hurt team uh i would have thought duke fans might have might have realized not all one and done's are created equal you know Fair. Yeah. and so you know some those five-star rankings they, they can be fickle um but listen both of these guys are incredibly talented and i think you've seen From Derek, we'll start with him um, just because he's been playing longer. We got a larger body of work. Uh, He's getting back into shape. Defensively, he's already making a difference, averaging several blocks per per game, even more per 40 minutes. I mean, his per 40 numbers are pretty ridiculous. Um, And just in terms of being a disincentive uh, defensively, like, you know, this is a guy who is a true seven foot one athlete, you know, seven foot seven, seven foot eight wingspan. You drive into the lane and you see that dude. You're turning around, and and uh, you know I know that's not you know expert or technical analysis, but but that is quite literally what he does. Um, on top of just the shot blocking, on top of just the rebounding, his rebounding rates I don't think are totally fair. Um, I think there's a lot of times where he's a guy who gets first touch on the ball and then it ends up dropping to a Proctor or a Roach or somebody like that. So I don't know that his his rebounding rates are accurate for as far as you know how how impactful he is in terms of Duke securing it as a team. I don't know that he right. gets the credit he deserves. Um, the thing for, for, I think a lot of people and for me was, was waiting to see offensively what he was going to bring to the floor. Um, and, and you know, that has been a work in progress. Um, but I don't put all of it on him. You know, I, I don't know if Duke fans were familiar with this or not. They, they think number one recruit in the country, this guy's, you know, he's a Paolo. he's a Zion, he's a Tatum. Um, Derek didn't do a whole lot of pick and roll in high school. He was much more of a pick and pop guy. And, and so actually learning how to roll, I asked him about that a couple of games ago. Like, what is the process of doing that for you? And basically what his point was, I have to, when I'm going to set my screen, I have to basically look at where the defense is before I do that, or else I don't know where the open space is going to be. Because if I can't identify the coverage, I'm just sort of rolling for the sake of rolling. I could roll right. it to traffic. I could mess up the play. Um, And so I think those first couple of games, you did see some of that where maybe he didn't know exactly where to position himself, how wide to get in the lane on the rolls, um, when to pop, when to, you know, so I think he's learning some of the intricacies and subtleties. of. So I think he's learning some of the subtleties of that. And as a result, you're seeing the guards being able to, you know, he's in their line of sight now, you know, the angles make more sense now. And so he's finally attacking the pick and roll, I think a little bit more like a lot of us thought that he would. Um, John Shire has said, you know, he puts pressure on the rim and he does. So I, I think Derek's going to continue to get better. He's not an offensive threat, uh, you know, as a post guy like Ryan Young is. He's much more of a, you know, perimeter five. Yeah. They, they want him as a passer. They want him outside opening things up for Kyle Filipowski inside. So, uh, but it's it's been a steady growth, I would say. And I think we'll see more of that. And same thing for Derek Whitehead, who who really, I think, came on, probably looked as, comfortable athletically as he has all season against UMES. Um I mean, when this guy gets healthy, look out, sky's the limit. Right. Uh, he wants to yam it on your head every single time. And I, I think, no I think, I think John Shire has been really purposeful about almost forcing his minutes at some point to, to get him back up to speed. And um, given how good he can be when he gets to his high end, I think that's, you know, the right course of action.
0: Yeah. Let's talk minutes here uh, as we start to wind down, Brendan, because that's the biggest thing with these guys, with these injuries defining it's hard to make, Your counting stats look absolutely amazing if you're not out on the floor for quite some time. So the technical numbers here with nine games played, Whitehead at 16.1 minutes per game, Lively's played in 11 at 17.5. In the coming months, as we jump deeper into ACC play, how big of a growth can there be there and how big of an impact can that simply being out there on the floor more, how big of an impact can that have for these guys?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that there will be growth, obviously, for both of those guys. Um, but quite frankly, I, I don't know that we're going to get to the point where Lively is playing more than like 20 minutes a game. Um, and I and I think that speaks to the depth that Duke has. Um, you know, if, if there is a great difference through the first, you know, 12 games between Coach K and John Shire in terms of team management in game, it's the use of the bench. Um, obviously John's run a couple of different sets and has done a couple of different things in that regard, but it's the minutes on the bench. I mean, he's playing nine, 10 guys and and they're making an impact. So, um, that obviously was something we were not as accustomed to under coach K we were used to sort of this iron, you know, locked in core of, okay, it's going to be six guys and maybe a seventh on occasion, depending on if Joey Baker shows up, uh, that's not the case with this team. And so I think that for Derek, there's potential to get up to, you know, that 25 to 30 minute threshold. I think he's deserving of that. But especially in the front court, when you've got so many guys who are so talented, you've got Derek and you've got Kyle and you've got Mark and you've got Ryan. Um, there's only so it's many hard. minutes yeah. to go around. And, and I think that especially, you know, for now, Derek's had some trouble without trouble. Um, and so, getting him in there at key moments and, and sort of managing his fouls until he learns through how to play through contact a little more cleanly is going to be huge. But um, certainly, I think that Derek is going to continue to skyrocket. He'll get to 25 30. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a guy who's like third or fourth on the team in minutes behind Filipowski and Roach. Um, but, you know, in the front court, it's definitely a trickier equation because you have depth. And, and as John has, you know, proven, using that depth equates to wins.
0: So we take a look at Duke. Now they're getting set for ACC play. Uh, They're in a stretch right now where uh, there just aren't a lot of games out on the floor to be played uh, with the holiday breaks and exam schedules for various teams across the country. That's been kind of fun to follow Uh, as we jump into league play here for the Blue Devils. I mean, what's what's the conference looking like so far at this point? Duke's got a target on their back, as you do every year when you walk in as the reigning regular season champ. So where is Duke at in the grand scheme of it at the start of the year, looking at the schedule there, knowing you start with the Wake Forest, Florida State, and NC State run?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the conference this year is better than it was last year, clearly. Um, where last year Duke really only stood to lose ground in conference play. Um, you know, it was like everybody they played. It was like, that was everybody's one shot to try and boost their own resumes. Right. If Duke lost any of those teams, it was like, how could they, uh, (laughs) which I just thought was kind of a ridiculous situation. Um, but yeah, the conference is better this year. And I think, you know, you look at Wake Forest and that's a team that obviously is a lot different than it was last year. But um, I'm really excited to go to Winston and I'll, I'll be there for that one, obviously. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to sort of tell us a lot about like, you know, the metal of this team. That's a team that's got a lot of transfers. It's got older guys. Um you know, that's not an easy place to play even around the holidays. There's going to be a lot of Wake fans. I think there's going to be a lot of Carolina fans there too. Um, so it's, it's going to be a true road environment and it'll be interesting to see how Duke responds there, but yeah, conference top to bottom. It's interesting. You know, I think right now you're talking about, you know, Duke obviously is, is a, is a front runner. Um, North Carolina has struggled a little but It's getting back into form. Virginia is the best team in the conference so far yeah. and looks like it might be, you know, arguably the best team in the country right now. Sure. Uh, and then you've got like Virginia tech, you've got Miami, you've got wake, you've got NC state looks, you know, a lot more threatening than I thought they would be their backcourt, you know, Jarkel joiners really surprised me. Um, so I, you know, this is not going to be a cakewalk like it was. I think a lot of the time last year we sort of dialed it up and it was like, okay, Duke maybe only really needs to get up for like three or four teams. Um, not the case this year. There's a lot more depth. There's a lot more parity, And so, um, starting with that Wake Forest game, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they handle the road environment and, um, You know, really how John just manages the rigor of a conference schedule. Um, It's been a little atypical, and I think that he's been able to sort of thrive on the fly in that regard with their schedule. Uh, But I'll be fascinating to see, you know, with more of a routine, what this team is able to look like.
0: Yeah, 10-day break from the UMES game to Wake Forest, and then you've got 11-day break uh, until you play Florida State. And then you can really jump into, all right, we're in a a two-game-a-week schedule. We're off and rolling in at that point. So uh, getting closer, that's for sure. Brendan, as always, this is so much fun. Thanks again for coming on the podcast today, my friend.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always, and I'm sure we'll talk soon.
0: That's Brendan Marks of The Athletic, one of my best friends in the industry, and really appreciate him taking time to join us here on Locked on Blue Devils. Go follow him on Twitter at Brendan R. Marks to check out all of his amazing work. That's going to do it for today's show. Coming up tomorrow, let's dive a little deeper with these Duke freshmen and the impact that they've had this season. We do that on tomorrow's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. As always, we'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.